Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students. I'm going to be expressing to you this idea that you were created because you have purpose. And not to get too personal on this too early. Um, and maybe I, maybe I as a preacher, like everybody's, every, every preacher's sermon on Genesis 1 is going to look different. And I have this bent towards um, a skeptical beginning of my faith. And maybe I lean too hard into um, wanting questions answered. Um, I, might, I might make the mistake of leaning too far on that. Um, but at the same time, I have a heart for uh, punks like me um, who, who won't take a step in faith until they have some questions answered. And I don't understand all of it. I don't understand everything, nor do I think I ever have the capacity to understand everything. Um, and I don't think you do either. And that's not what tonight is about. But what I do want to do tonight, because it's going to feel like a lot, but what I want to do tonight is to show you that there is more to the argument for God than just the cheap stuff that you read in YouTube comments. Like there's some actual logic and reason that you can back faith up with. And I know it's going to feel like a lot. I don't want you to understand it all, but I want you to see that there's actually a foundation to stand on with all that stuff. And, and whether it's right or not, I don't know, but I'm going to go for it. And I hope that, here's what I hope for you. I hope that it helps you think new thoughts and see things in a new way. And so if you're a person in this room who uh, have questions like, okay, so if God created everything, who created God? Or am I supposed to like, only believe in science or only believe in faith or like, like how should I put my faith in a God that created everything? Like these, these fundamental questions, if you're a person who's ever had those questions in your heart or in your mind, I would really invite you to lean in tonight and maybe even take some notes. I, I can't answer all the questions. I'm gonna do my best to do what I have, uh, the time that I have. Um, and so we're gonna get started with that. The second personal thing is I, uh, I'm starting a new journey in my life and I would take all the support that I can get from you guys. I'm starting to part my hair on the other side of my head now. And so um, any support I can get, um, I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, just started. Just started tonight. So we'll, we'll, see how, we'll see how it goes. The big idea tonight is you are created because you have purpose. Um, and we're in the beginning of a series called Dust to Dust that's looking at the beginning of it all. Um, the beginning of the cosmos, the beginning of the universe and how all that happens. And when we go back, sometimes it's hard to see how it impacts us here today. But I think going back to the beginning allows us to see and have context for the rest of the story. Because I think sometimes in church we, always, we, we tend to start with the conclusion that Jesus died for your sins. So there's a lot more to the story to that. There's a lot more that came before that. I mean... And I, and I could understand how if we just start with the conclusion, you don't obviously understand the weight of that conclusion. For one, you might not know what your sins are or where they came from. Second, you don't know the cost of them or what it required to wash them away, right? And third, maybe you don't know why it mattered in the first place. And I think that's all valid. And so that's sort of, this, this is the beginning of that effort of giving you guys that context moving forward. It's like, it's like as if you would start your favorite movie every time you watched it at the last 15 to 20 minutes. Like, let's say your favorite movie is Finding Nemo. You start the movie every time when they find Nemo. 
Like, it would make for a pretty boring movie. You, you wouldn't see the big buildup to why it's such a big deal that he was found or why they were so happy that they found him. You don't get any of that context. And so maybe if we only saw the story and started the story there, the rest of the story um, would give us more context and it would be less boring of a story, right? I believe in um, letting a movie take you where it wants to go and letting a movie take you by the hand, like experiencing the ups and downs of humanity in real time that you don't have to prove your wisdom or superiority over the movie itself by yelling out what's gonna happen next. You just enjoy it. You soak in the emotion of it. You let the story flow over you. Uh, it's a little bit of a tangent, but how many of you have frenzy when you watch a movie with them, they won't stop talking? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 you immediately pointed to someone. Like you're getting into the movie, it's like just coming to the big moment and everything like that, and then they'll lean over to you and go, oh, he did. <laughs> and you're like, shush up, you did not know that. Or, or you know, you have the person that's like, I knew they were the bad guy the whole time. Like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Stop talking. Oh, that ice cream looks so good. I would love some ice cream. You want to get some ice cream after this? I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. People, enjoy cinema for what it is and let it overtake you. There's no benefit to you solving the riddle before the characters do. It's the character's job. You're not playing a board game of Clue, okay? Be with the characters in the storyline. Ride the emotions of the deeper human issues. Enjoy the art of cinema. Okay, that's my tangent on movie watching. So don't talk while you watch movies. Tonight, we're going back to the beginning where God created it all. And I hope it gives us context of why we are in this world. And we're, we're made, uh, we've, we've been put in this task of making sense of it all. And that's a tall order. But when we're going back to the beginning, I would say a lot of people make the mistake like we were talking about movies, they make the mistake of determining whether they believe in the story of not, or not just on the beginning of the story, not in the conclusion or the big moments. Like if they don't 100% understand the beginning, they write off the whole storyline. But let's be real for a minute, you don't watch movies like that. No, you usually follow the story to the big moments. The big moments usually decide whether that movie's good or not. And through the big moments of the story, that's when you find out whether the beginning of the story was true to what it was saying. Here's my point. I think a lot of skeptical people with faith, myself included, this is my story, started deciding whether they can trust there is a God or not based off the beginning of the story. As in, I, I would have to 100% without a doubt believe God created everything and then I could start reading the Bible and maybe taking it seriously. Or I would have to be certain that God hung the stars and we aren't here by accident and then I could listen to the story of Jesus Christ and it would matter. But that's not the way you watch your favorite movie. And you don't trust a movie is true to itself based off the first five minutes. Why would you approach the most important decisions of your life like that? Why would you approach the huge concept of God like that? And I'm not trying to shame you. I'm saying, like, this was my mistake in approaching God, too. Because here's my story with all this. I approached this whole uh, faith thing, this whole God thing, with a lot of doubt, with a lot of skepticism, and a lot of questions. And I tried opening the Bible up on page one. You ever had that? Like, 
maybe you used to go to another church that had like Bibles in the pews or like you had a Bible that was like sitting in your house and one day you're like, okay, I'm going to read this thing. <laughs> you didn't realize you're committing to like 2,000 pages of reading. But you open up page one and you start reading. And I, and I did that and I, I made it like a, a test to see if I would believe after page one. And I didn't get the context of it. I didn't understand what was going on. It didn't answer all the big why questions in those first few pages. And so I kind of like got confused, lost context, and said, well, I must not be able to relate to the rest of the story. The rest of the story must not be able to do anything for me. And maybe you've done that too. But here's what changed all of that for me, is I started to look at Jesus. And I started to look at what he did and what he said, because if he is true, and what he said is true, he said that if you see me or hear me, you've seen or heard from God. It's a big claim, and in this case, okay, let's start there. Let's see if that is the case. And this is why we always preach Jesus here, by the way. Because I think that you could make the argument, though I think it would be far-fetched and pretty dismissive and ignorant, but I think you could try to make the case that all of this is just coincidence. It's just chance. Like the whole God creating the universe and the scientific evidence of an actual beginning to time and space, it's coincidence. Noah having a hunch that it's going to rain a ton, building a big boat, and like actually surviving it all. Coincidence. You know, Joseph being sold into slavery and then becoming the ruler of the land, just like God called it. You know, everyone gets lucky coincidence. The walls of Jericho thing, the way that they fell down right in the moment that God said they would, right at the right time. Hey, timing's everything, and earthquakes happen, you know? Coincidence. But as you keep following the storyline, if all these things were indeed historic moments and events, all of a sudden you can't get away with the lazy, dismissive coincidence theory when you arrive at Jesus. Because all of a sudden, there's a man who actually walked the earth. There's no serious scholar, both atheist and religious, who argue whether he was real or not. They all agree he was real and that he was really here. And the convincing evidence of him performing miracles and the absolute ridiculous ways he fulfilled every single prophecy and prediction about who he would be, what he would do, and how he would die that were written hundreds of years before he even was born and the undisputed evidence that he rose from the dead, and the way people like Paul, the guy who wrote like over half in the New Testament, used to throw Christians in prison because he believed that they were starting some false religion, and then all of a sudden has an experience with Jesus and then spends the majority of the rest of his life in jail because he's preaching the gospel. All of a sudden, the possibility of that all being coincidence starts to kind of fade away. There's too much pattern. There's too much of a possibility. Uh, Jesus is who he really says he is, God in human form. And if that's the case, God is probably real. And if God is probably real, God probably created the universe and set all this stuff into motion. And all of a sudden, this can't all just be coincidence. All of a sudden, the beginning really matters. And all of a sudden... You can trust the storyline because the conclusion has delivered what it promised it would. 
this is how it played out for me. Once I couldn't write off Jesus' coincidence anymore, I developed a thing called faith. And that faith backbuilt all the way to the beginning. God, we need faith to believe in such a big God. Would you help give us faith in the small things and in the big things? Tonight, I pray that you press into our hearts that we were created, created because we have purpose for our lives. It's in Jesus' name, amen. So I'm gonna get into some of these questions. I don't have time for a ton. Uh, but the first one is a popular one. If God created everything, who created God? The question, which is incredibly popular uh, among people resistant to faith, I think especially because if God is indeed real, they would be held accountable for their life and its wrongs. But more so, I would say the question is built on skepticism for the sake of skepticism, not for true interest. If God created everything, who created God? The question is a genuine one, nonetheless. And while many who ask the question find themselves quite cunning, they are actually committing multiple logical fallacies in the assumption this question presents, meaning they're making uh, logical mistakes in the way that they are asking this question. And here's a quick note, too. Um, God operates within logic. In fact, in the original language, Scripture says, in the beginning was logos, or logic. So we have a playground to play on here. It's not just make-believe. God operates within the realms of logic. He doesn't create square circles. You can abandon logic, especially in these conversations, but it would be a waste of time to argue with anyone who holds to no logic at all uh, because you would be arguing on the basis of make-believe. So, the mistake here in the who made God question is assuming a past infinity. I know this is a big thought. It's a logical fallacy within itself because if time is real, the time and space in which we exist right here, which we assume it is, time can only exist if time began. It had to begin at some point. Also, the second law of thermodynamics wouldn't allow for a past infinity. So you would be working against logic and science at that point. Scripture is actually quite clear that before time God already existed, past infinity isn't an option here. So there's not an ongoing past of things that could have happened before God. Now, follow me. Nothing comes from nothing. Bunnies don't just pop out of thin air and become bunnies. Bunnies usually come from other bunnies. They have a cause. Nothing comes from nothing. And since nothing comes from nothing, things must come from something. They must have a cause. And considering all these aspects that we've discussed, the person who's asking the question has actually put God in the wrong category, asking, if God created everything, who created God is the same logic that would ask, if blue is a color, what does blue smell like? Blue doesn't have a smell, so the question is flawed. In the same way, God is not in the category of things that are created or caused. He was before time and space. He is outside the time and space in which creation exists, and God is uncaused and uncreated. He simply exists since he was the establishment before time. Nothing came before him. And since there was a beginning of time, both reason and science agree 
And since nothing comes from nothing, and things have to come from something, and the beginning of time had to come from something as well, that something would have to be powerful, timeless, spaceless, beginningless, mindful, awfully creative, and deeply personal, which we refer to as God. God had to exist before the universe was caused to exist, and I'll touch on that more later. The other frequently asked question that I get a lot and that I had personally uh, walking into faith is it, a, a lot of people make it sound like science and faith is an either-or game, like you either choose one camp or you choose the other, but a lot of my favorite theologians are scientists, and a lot of my favorite theologians are uh, historians, and one of my favorite quotes on the topic is, I believe both theologians who are studying God's work spiritually and scientists who are studying God's work in na- nature are doing the same work. They're both studying the work of God and the universe. So here's an example of how science and faith work together. It's found in a ridiculous amount of fine-tuning that the universe shows us, and as if someone had created this whole thing on purpose with a cause, as told by science. This is one of my favorite videos. I think I show this once a year at this point, and it blows me away every time I watch it. Check this out. From galaxies and stars, down to atoms and subatomic particles, the very structure of our universe is determined by these numbers. These are the fundamental constants and quantities of the universe. Scientists have come to the shocking realization that each of these numbers has been carefully dialed to an astonishingly precise value, a value that falls within an exceedingly narrow, life-permitting range. If any one of these numbers were altered, by even a hair's breadth. No physical, interactive life of any kind could exist anywhere. There'd be no stars, no life, no planets, no chemistry. Consider gravity, for example. The force of gravity is determined by the gravitational constant. If this constant varied by just one in 10 to the 60th parts, none of us would exist. To understand how exceedingly narrow this life-permitting range is, imagine a dial divided into 10 to the 60th increments. To get a handle on how many tiny points on the dial this is, compare it to the number of cells in your body, or the number of seconds that have ticked by since time began. If the gravitational constant had been out of tune by just one of these infinitesimally small increments, the universe would either have expanded and thinned out so rapidly that no stars could form and life couldn't exist, or it would have collapsed back on itself with the same result, no stars, no planets, and no life. Or consider the expansion rate of the universe. This is driven by the cosmological constant, a change in its value by a mere one part in 10 to the 120th parts would cause the universe to expand too rapidly or too slowly. In either case, the universe would, again, be life prohibiting. Or another example of fine tuning. If the mass and energy of the early universe were not evenly distributed to an incomprehensible precision of one part in 10 to the 10 to the 123rd, the universe would be hostile to life of any kind. The fact is, our universe permits physical, interactive life only because these and many other numbers have been independently and exquisitely balanced on a razor's edge. Wherever physicists look, they see examples of fine-tuning, 
The remarkable fact is that the values of these numbers seem to have been very finely adjusted to make possible the development of life. If anyone claims not to be surprised by the special features that the universe has, he's hiding his head in the sand. These special features are surprising and unlikely. A common sense interpretation of the facts suggests that a super intellect monkeyed with physics and that there are no blind forces worth speaking about in nature. The numbers one calculates from the facts seem to me so overwhelming as to put this conclusion almost beyond question. There is for me powerful evidence that there is something going on behind it all. It seems as though somebody has fine-tuned nature's numbers to make the universe. The impression of design is overwhelming. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. So one of the counters to the possibility that the universe was finely tuned in order to sustain life for creatures, humanity, etc., is that it was all by chance, that, that it just happened to land the way it did, the chips fell, and we got super lucky. Here's the last question that is tuned towards that, the, the frequently asked question of, is it all an accident? Is it all just chance that we're here? And once again, I want to provide you with a tool. This isn't so you understand something 100%, but that you see that there is more to the cheap stuff that you get on the internet or in the YouTube comment section. This is called the Kalam Cosmological Argument. And it's a pretty airtight way to know that you're here for a reason. And it goes like this. Premise one, everything that begins to exist has a cause. Out of nothing, nothing comes, we talked about. Bunnies don't just pop into existence. Cars don't just explode into being. These things have causes. Premise two, if that is true, then the universe began to exist. We've talked about this. The universe has not always been here. It's not scientifically or philosophically possible. The universe did begin to exist. And therefore, it concludes, the universe has a cause. This cause would have to be timeless, beginningless, spaceless, extremely powerful, mindful, super creative, and a possessor and a promoter of free will. God. I know tonight felt a little overwhelming and I kind of designed it to be that way. I wanted you to doubt your doubts. I wanted you to be put back on your heels a little bit. I wanted you to be a bit overwhelmed by the possibility of God in the beginning. And I wanted you to feel maybe a bit of wonder that has died inside of you. Here's what I want you to see. Everything that begins to exist has a cause. You exist. You have a cause. You are not an accident. You are on purpose. You are not a coincidence. You are created. You are created because you have purpose. That purpose is found in what caught me off guard and flipped my life upside down. That I don't have to create a reason for me to be loved, but that I'm created and already loved. 
the idea that caught me off guard that could it really be all about Jesus? From beginning to end, for my life, for every other life that was ever created, the Bible from the beginning to the end could it all be about Jesus? Could it all be for Jesus? That purpose is found in knowing Jesus, who was there at the beginning, who was there at the cross, who was there when the tomb was empty and he rose from the dead, and who's walking with you tonight and is willing to walk with you into eternity if you had put faith in him and what he says. You were created so you have a cause. God brought you life so that you could seek him and experience him. Because you have purpose, a purpose of one day rising from the dead just like your Savior did. To live in unity with your creator for eternity in heaven. It's a beautiful thought. On this side of heaven, I've just been thinking about this recently. On this side of heaven, guys, there's been no promise made that we won't feel pain. In fact, scripture says we're gonna feel pain on this side of heaven. And there's gonna be struggles. And there's gonna be tough times. And I know a lot of you are going through tough times right now. But this is where you find hope. Is that Jesus has reached down his hand to you. No matter how insignificant you feel. And said, I will walk with you through all of this into my kingdom come. Where you will feel no more pain. And there will be no more tears. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 27. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. There's hope. The story of God creating humanity, knowing we needed a savior, and then sending us a savior to win us back is the ultimate love. You were created because you have purpose, and that purpose is to know and love your creator. And listen, I don't know why God chose to do it this way. I don't know. And I don't think I have the right to know, honestly. But what I do know is that this is the reality that you and I wake up in every day. But if he sees value in creating me, I'll see value too. So will I. If he decides there's a purpose for my life, so will I. If Jesus created it all simply to come and show the universe what love is, so will I. You pray with me. God, the thought of you is so intimidating and how big you are and how small we feel. 
Yet in the midst of all of that, you send Jesus to show us exactly who you are and exactly how you love and exactly what you're like. And when we look to Jesus, we see a God who meets us where we're at in our pain and our imperfection and offers to wipe all of that away if we were to put our faith in him and believe that he was in the beginning. He's with us now. He'll be with us in the end. Thanks for joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students.